Amen. Let's sit down and let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we come in Jesus' name, thankful that you have redeemed us, thankful you've called us out of darkness. Lord, we pray that your spirit will be with us, that we would grow in our knowledge and our love and affection for you and for one another. Lord, guide us. Show us what it means to know you, to be known by you, to be loved by you, Father. Lord, you have uniquely called us to be your light in this city, um, the salt of the earth in this city. And we pray that we could be faithful to that calling. Lord, thank you for your mercies, which are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> so we've been talking about the practices that should characterize our community group. And today we're going to talk about children's ministry. Yes. You know, it's, it, it's really important. And this is something that I've not always taken serious when I had no children. It wasn't until I had um, was a part of the youth and family ministry for about four years that it actually changed how much I understood the role of the children in the church. Yeah. You know, it's easy to... Before I did youth and family ministry, I see the kids, I play with them a little bit, and I go about my life not even thinking about these kids for the rest of my day. And yet, when I got involved in youth and family ministry, it became very clear how much um, the health and spiritual well-being of the children played a role on the parents' hearts. That played a role on the, in, in South Florida, but I think it's true anywhere, on the community group's hearts. Like It just became something, especially as they get older and they go through their different trials, it becomes something that can become really consuming for a parent. And, for, and, and it can really make a fellowship stagnant. And I'm grateful for my time serving in the youth and family ministry. It, it, it taught me a lot. And I'm grateful that those parents gave me an opportunity to work with their children, work with them, and grow. And so I know most of you have read the New Testament. You understand how important children are to Jesus. And so everything I'm going to tell you today is not going to be anything new. It's just really a reminder. Part of it will feel like a parent devotional. And so if you're not a parent and you don't plan on being a parent, this is still important for you because in so many ways by being in this fellowship, one of our kids might end up looking up to you. You know, you wish you could pick the, 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 the right person for your kid to look up to. They might not look up to the right person. They might look up to you. Uh, <laughs> and so listen to this. It might end up being you who mentor one of our children. And they're like, I want to be just like that person. And we're just going to pray extra hard. Uh, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Uh, beginning in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for, um, for him to place his hands on them, but his disciples rebuked them. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. This is an interesting teaching right here because it comes right at the tails of the divorce passage where Jesus is like, you shouldn't get divorced, you commit adultery. But then he shifts his focus to, um, to children and them being, being able to be brought to Jesus. Does anyone know how children were viewed around this time in the Jewish community? Around first century AD in the Jewish community? Not important. Not important. 
Okay, anyone else want to take a crack at it? Not important. Looks like you want to say something, Anthony? No? <laughs> He's not a child. He's a grown man. Uh, in Torah times, first, first century, he would be a grown man. He wouldn't be a child anymore. Um, so it's really, it, it, it's true. They weren't important. So it, it, when you, if I was to put up here a pyramid, a, a male was at the top of the, the social ladder. You know, a male, a religious male, like a priest, was really at the top. Kings, priests, and those roles were at the top. Then males, then the worst sort of male that was free was like a, a, a shepherd. Then you go down the ladder and you do the same thing with free um, women. Then you go slaves and you go down the ladder. But children were under slaves. Just to put in context. So they weren't really important to society. Why? How, any of you who have children, if you've ever tried to get them to work, the ones that are under three, get them to work in your house. Your house is going to look worse than it did before. You know, and, and you know, their ideas are not the best sometimes. You know, and they're still learning. They're still growing. But, you know, they're like, what, what should we do? It's 9 a.m. in the morning. Let's eat ice cream. You're like, you're going to kill everybody. And so practically speaking and socially speaking, still to this day, children don't necessarily add any intrinsic value the moment they show up on the scene. They grow in that and they're maturing that. But Jesus saying here, and this is like revolutionary teaching. If you were a first century Jew reading this, you'd be like, what is he doing? Like, what, why does he even place value and importance on these individuals being a part of the kingdom. Now, why do you think Jesus says something like that? Like, what is it about these children that the kingdom belongs to such as these? Why does Jesus say that, that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these? It's easier for children to be molded. It's easier for children to be molded. Okay, we'll, we'll circle back to that. Pure, Pure heart. Okay, we'll circle back to that. Okay, okay. Sebastian? I guess that since you mentioned the fact that the kids are lower than slaves, then you need to love everyone, even at the bottom, the very bottom, the very top, so loving everyone is inclusive. Amen, amen. Irene? I think it just says, I think, the believing, you know, it's they're very, they believe they have a pure, pure heart, pure um, faith, you know. Absolutely. Children have a pure heart and a pure faith. You know, what, what's interesting is Jesus gets indignant when the disciples don't want this to happen. Again, I, I want you to think about your, 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 your circumference of compassion. Most of us being born in the 21st century, we all care about children. How do we know if we put up a, a, a child in the Ukraine that looks like they just survived the bombing or a dead child, all of our heartstrings will get pulled. Which is like, no way, you can't do that to children. Because the teachings of Jesus have impacted the world. And so we look at children and we're all like, you don't do that to children. Something's going on. If we heard that those 10 hungry children out here, most of us will go over there and be like, they can't, they can't, we got to feed them. Now we hear 10, 10 adults, then we're like, ah, oh, man, that's tough, man. I wonder how they're going to get through tonight. That's just where we are as a society. And so Jesus says this, the Greek word that he's using is a very young infant. So think maybe three and under. Three and under. Any of you who've ever had three-year-olds, you know they are pure-hearted. But you also know they don't have necessarily pure hearts sometimes. 
You know, they're, they're, they're great people as they grow, but sometimes they're not the nicest and, and they could be selfish with other kids. But what um, Rinaldi said, they are utterly helpless. They are helpless. And you know what the crazy thing is? They acknowledge that they're helpless. The two and under acknowledge that they're helpless. Three and under, maybe three might think they could do something, but the moment they can't do it, they quickly surrender and say, hey, help me. Open this thing, do this thing for me. They, there is a helplessness that God is like, if you could get like that, you could come into the kingdom of God. You know, I, I know for many of us spiritually, the, the more mature and the older we get, the more we can feel like, well, I'm not helpless. And Jesus is like, that's always going to be a challenge for you to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard to admit that, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing this. I, I, I have an idea, but I, I think I need you, God. And that's why we pray consistently in the morning, prayerfully, pray in the afternoon, pray in the evening. We're like, God, I, that song that I can't go a day without you, like without some time to pray, like that, that's a helplessness. There's no way, even if I wanted to, I could leave my oldest son alone without him coming looking for me in 30 minutes. I could leave him, set him up, have his toys, everything there. Dad, dad, what's going on? I need this. And I go away. Dad, dad. And then that'd be the whole day. So I don't even leave where he is. I just stay there. And God wants us to be dependent on him like that spiritually. Which makes a lot of us feel uncomfortable. Especially if you grew up in this country where you're like, no, I want to be independent. I want to tell God what I'm going to do. And he's going to bless it instead of partnering with God. And this is why Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So one of the things that I think is important as we think about children ministry in our church is, you know, the children are small, they're powerless, and they can be easily overlooked. It's not anyone's fault, you know, that's... Again, I've been saying this for like the year I've been here. We're a hyper-individualized culture. So you're like, I'm not really worried about your kids. I'm worried about my kids or I'm worried about my situation. I see your kids. I'm going to be nice, but I'm not necessarily worried about them. And yet Jesus, by virtue of telling the disciples, let them come to him and bless them and say, this kingdom belongs to such as these. He becomes a model for all of us. Like, how do we receive the children? Now, I will say this from the outside looking in, my son loves this church. Stephen comes in. This is like his family. Like, he, he sees people. He's like, Dad, you see Lincoln? You got to say hi. And I'm like, hi, Lincoln. Like, Dad, you, 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 you see uh, Miss Ellen? You got to say hi. You know, he just sees people. He wants to run and hug everybody. He feels like this is an extended portion of his family. Every Sunday morning when I say he can't go to church when he was sick, uh, and I'm like, come on, man. I want you to keep that same energy when you're 18. <laughs> keep that same energy cry when i say we can't do it but right now he really loves this community so i really want to thank you guys for making my son feel at home that means a lot to me and i know i i speak for jules that means a lot for her as well that she has um that we have this community for him okay so how to make faith matter for our kids that's why we want them involved in our community groups you know one of the biggest challenges are our it's, it's Christian them, but it's also it's also impacted our fellowship of churches. Is non um, non high church? You guys know what I mean by high church? Churches with like liturgy and all this other stuff. Non high churches are not doing a great job of passing on their faith to the next generation. 
So what ends up happening is someone becomes a believer and then that number dips 50%, where the first generation becomes believers and then half the next generation's kids become believers. And then that number cuts in half again. We have about 120 years of study on this now. And there are a number of reasons for it. And, you know, prayerfully, as as situations get more more solid for me, we can have times of consistent parenting so we can see this, um, some of these things. But our churches, like Islam is still the fastest growing religion in the world. Islam is not converting people at an alarming rate. The only people who are becoming believers are their children. They have about four of them and all four of them become um, Islamic. Where now in where we are in America right now, it's not it's not abnormal. Many of you could think of your most of the millennials in here who are kingdom kids. Think about your youth and family ministry. You're like, yeah, man, there was like 40 of us. And now we're in our mid 30s. And you're like, yeah, I think there's only like six of us still connected. Six of six of us still journeying. You know, and if you if you were one of the few, the proud Gen X kingdom kids, you're like, yeah, there was like a fired up 12 and now there's a fired up two. And this this is just part of it. Right. And but it's not insurmountable. There are examples and bright spots around the world. And so this part is going to feel like a parenting devotional. So if you're not a parent, just still listen anyway. This is going to be good for you to remind the parents we, we need to have. Jesus-centered parenting. What do I mean by Jesus-centered parenting? We need to parent like Jesus. Crazy enough. We need to build up. We need to encourage. We need to love. But there are times when we do need to call our children higher. So we need to be serious about that. I don't want anyone to feel any guilt, but I do want to just express the reality of what the research points to. Fathers in particular play the most important role in their children becoming followers of Jesus. It, it, it just, for whatever reason, maybe, I don't know, but I, I have reasons why, because I looked at the research, but fathers play an important role. And part of the biggest challenge is your children, and, I, and I'm pretty sure if I ask some of the more mature members in here about um, some of their children's um, statements, they probably would attest to this. Your children know if you're really serious about your discipleship or not. They, they know. They can tell from a mile away. So you could come here on Sunday and Wednesday and, and you could be fired up and they're like, nope, that, that's not the real deal McCoy right there. Now, there are times children become believers in spite of their parents, which has happened a lot. But a lot of times, for whatever reason, when the father has taken his covenant with Christ serious, not perfectly serious, the children end up being like, I want that. I want what my father has, daughter and son. And I think that's really important that we understand. And so what's the most important thing a father and a mother could do is pray for their kids daily. That's within your control. Pray for your kids. Pray that they can know the love that Christ has for them. Pray that God can work with them in their present situation. Don't cease praying when things get difficult. Continue to pray more and invite other intercessors into praying for your kids. We have a group of parents in uh, Miami who just pray for their kids. They, they've been in the same group since all their kids were like two years old and now all their kids are in their 20s. And they pray for these kids still to this day. Every Monday, they pray for that group. 
model faithful discipleship of all the teens that I was able to study the Bible in the last four years. When we got to the point where the children did make decisions to want to follow Jesus, one of the first things that came out of most of the, the young boys' lives were, do you really want to follow Jesus? And they would all say yes, because I see how my dad follows Jesus. So even though I'm trying to redirect their attention, follow Jesus, they can't help but see their dad following Jesus. And so their, their dad becomes the standard of discipleship, positive and negative. I've seen situations where, you know, they're like, What's going on in the purity area? What's going on here? Like, I can't see why you keep falling in this area. And lo and behold, dad is not strong in the area of purity. And he had not been open about it. But son had known that for a long time. And now they both are in the house struggling with this. And you're like, okay, the Holy Spirit could redeem that and work through that. But I'm just saying, again, guilt free. But it's important that we understand we've been called really high. All of us in here, I don't think anyone was tricked into having children. You weren't looking at your spouse and you're like, hey, how did this happen? Unless it did happen like that. And then you just sit back and say, God's mercy is still with you. And you can figure out this parenting stuff. But most of us in here had detailed conversations with our spouse that we were going to try. And when we had that conversation, we, we got to understand it comes with responsibility. Same thing for all of us in here who made a, had a detailed conversation that we were going to get married. You're like, yeah, I love you, death do you part. None of us knew what we were talking about when we said our vows. <laughs> There's not a person in here who knew. You meant it, you know, you meant it, but you didn't know. You didn't know. Like, you know, your man, your girlfriend was amazing, still amazing, but you know, now you're like, wow. I said all of that. You know, every time you hear new vows, you're like, ha, 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 ha. you wish it would be that easy, but whatever. I'm going to be excited for you right now. <laughs> Same thing with parenting. You know, you see someone, you get, you, I, I've heard women say this, I don't hear as much men. I got baby fever, man, this is great. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to have one. And you know, the parents are like, okay. They're blessing, they're amazing, they're awesome. But every blessing comes with its responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. That's what Spider-Man would say. And so you want those kids, it comes with the responsibility of being up late nights and loving on them. So we want to model faithful discipleship. Scheduling. This is one of the things. Most of us have really young kids in here. So I want to say this before we get caught up in the Joneses. The world, even more so than probably when we were children, is bombarding kids to fill their schedule with things. Because if you don't fill your kid's schedule with things, they won't go to Harvard. They're going to go to Clown University down the street. And they're going to major in Pokemon. And you're going to be like, this kid is going out here to catch Pokemon. This is when I prayed that they would be a blessing. I didn't think there'll be a Pokemon catcher. <laughs> and so they need to be a part of the drill team. They need to be a part of this team. They need to have straight A's. They need to be cool on the homecoming board, on the prom board. They need to play some sport and at least get in the game here and there. And then they have their own internal things going on. They're like, man, I'm 15 years old, and I think I'm the only one who's never had a girlfriend. Though probably 20% of the school never had a girlfriend. But, you know, you're just like, I'm the only one without a girlfriend. There's a lot happening. As parents who follow Jesus, we need to protect our kids' times. We need to help them. We need to not give in to the, to the Joneses. And, you know, the Joneses are a family sometimes. <laughs> Stefan, yeah, he's my family. But not Stefan and Sam Jones, but real the Jones is. 
Um, but seriously, like I know my my mother in law is like, you know, you got to put Stephen in this school because you know here's some things you could do to make sure he gets into Ivy. And you know, then Stephen turns around and he starts eating um, the, the 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 top part of the banana peel that you shouldn't be eating. <laughs> And I'm like, we got to get that figured out first. And then we're going to get Ivy next level. You know, bless his heart. He might be an Ivy. And I was just like, listen, you came from humble beginnings, man. Like, you're here, now you're here. But there's just a lot of pressure. Steven's two years old, and we're having talks about him going to Ivy. It's a lot of pressure. You're just like, come on. You know, we gotta, there's a lot to do in between there. You know what I mean? And so I just really want to encourage us, let's have a Christ-like schedule where our children can experience rest, where they can feel safe, where they don't have to feel overwhelmed. A lot of children in, um, now are going to therapy, and a lot of the times when they're going to therapy, they say, I feel overwhelmed. There's a lot happening. And, you know, as parents, we're like, yeah, you need to do these things so you can accomplish your goal. You know, honestly, I don't buy that. There are different ways we can accomplish our goals. You may not be first in line, but you'll be healthiest in line. And there's something to be said about that. And so I think we just have to do a good job of, okay, Joey, you're going to be in one activity. Pick the one you enjoy. Pick the one you love. And then after that, or one activity per quarter. But you're not going to be in 10. I'm not going to have you burnt out. You know, uh, the other thing that's really important, if I, I love football. I love football. I love basketball. Steven might want to play basketball and football growing up, but I want him to prioritize, seek first the kingdom. Like I said, he's going to model my faith. If I, if I compromise there, he's going to be like, okay, that wasn't as important to my dad as much as my, me playing basketball. And at the end of the day, if he could kill two birds with one stone, I'm going to help him figure it out. But if not, I want him to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, long before I want to hear him get drafted in the NBA. Now, if we could get both, fired up. <laughs> but I, I, I'm going to make sure as I'm looking at him. And, you know, at, at some point, the, the kid turns 16 and they're going to do what they want to do. Yeah. But it's like, what, what did you set them up for? But again, you know, they turned 16. I turned 16. I did everything I wanted to do. And, you know, they couldn't have stopped me. But we want to set them up. So as the scriptures say, train them in the way they should go. And eventually they'll go there. And to, to those of us in here who may have kids who were believers and no longer believers, I've seen enough believers come back in their 30s and even in their 40s. So continue to keep praying for your kid. Continue to keep modeling faithful discipleship to your kid. And, and, and I really believe that God will be with you. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, this is the passage where he's like, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he talks about, like, these commands. Talk about them when they lie down, when they sleep, when, when, when they walk along the road. Like, talk about your covenant as much as you possibly can. Tie everything into the kingdom as much as you possibly can. That doesn't mean you don't enjoy the baseball, you don't enjoy the games, you don't enjoy the movies. But if you see a redemptive moment in a movie, like I tried to do that with Steven and Lion King, it didn't work, but I tried. <laughs> we were watching Lion King and I said, you know, the way that um, Simba said that Mufasa is dead, we believe in resurrection. 
And then he looks back and keeps watching the show. And that was it, man. We didn't have a moment. But I'm hoping one day we will have a moment. But he's like, resurrection, dad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, resurrection, man. That's not the animal fossil story if he said Jesus is Lord. The clouds we saw, he's coming back. Um, but it, it, it's seeking those moments that we can have, like teaching your kids to share. And not just say, hey, share because it's nice. Like, hey, share because you've been blessed. Share because God is with, um, has blessed our family in this way. I think it's really important that we understand this. So how do we make faith matter to our kids? We pray for them. We model discipleship. We schedule and we guard our hearts from the parenting narratives. There are a lot of parenting narratives that are going to try to tempt us. Tempt us, tempt us, tempt us. I think with our church, and this is something that we've talked about um, a little bit, but like we got to integrate them more. And, and it's tough. You know, as a parent, you walk in and your kid is like pulling on your shirt. They want to run around and you want to be respectful of everyone's worship. And, you know, every parent comes up to you. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, my mom used to sit me right there and I'd just stay silent. And you're like, did they accomplish that with abuse or did it just like look at you? And you're like, no, nah, I think they spanked me. You're like, okay, I don't know if I can spank him in front of everyone. I don't know if I want him to carry that shame. You're like, you should. You're like, well, I don't know. You're not going to pay for my kids' therapy bills. I'm going to end up having to pay for it. So let's figure it out. You know, and so it, 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 it's, it's tough. It's complicated. I don't even pretend like I got the answers. Like, you know, my son walks in there and he just falls like seven times in one set. And I'm like, gosh, like I can't even have a conversation without worried he's going to crack his skull open, man. But we want to integrate them more in the church. We want all the kids more integrated and we'll figure it out. There's different ways we could do that and pray for our wisdom. And, and it's the long game anyway. And we want to welcome our kids to the community groups. My, my son is a fixture in our community group. He sits there. He says hi to Mark. Mark and him connect. And then when the Conleys come by, they connect. He's a fixture. He's in the group. He comes in. He grabs his seat. When he's done with whatever talk is happening, he just goes off. He doesn't even say bye. He got no, no respect for the group yet. But he will. One day I was like, say bye to people before you leave, bro. But he's a fixture. And I want to encourage all of us. Let's have the kids involved. And, and I really want to lift up my community group because y'all never made, and maybe you do hate him being around. <laughs> not hate, not hate Steven. I don't think anyone hates Steven, but hate him being around. But you guys don't make jewels and I feel that way. <laughs> like, when he's around, you all like, you welcome him, you receive him, you all hold him, you all help him. And that's really helpful for us because, again, it's like you're trying to get him on his absolute best behavior. And sometimes he falls short, but none of you guys make us feel guilty. So I'm thankful for you guys tremendously. Um, but we want to integrate our kids. One, one last thing I want to share on this piece is most people say you need about, your, your, your children need about five relationships that are not their peers to help them um, become faithful and remain faithful. And that's not mom and dad. So about five relationships. So like if Steven is like, yeah, I'm close to Lenny, I'm close to Tim, I'm close to Jesse, I'm close to Cody, and I'm close to Connor. Odds are, if Stephen's going through a hard time spiritually, he feels like he can't talk to me, he's going to reach out to one of those men in his lives. He's going to be like, man, I could talk to him. He can help me understand. Maybe I am being too hard, and Tim Conley is like, you know what, Steve, you got to relax on that. Yeah, you are right, but right now, he can't hear that you're right. Relax on it. Love him through this season and just be patient. I think he understands it, but he's just having a hard time right now, and I need to be able to receive that. Like, okay, okay, cool. You know, like... You're lucky Tim's in your life, bro, because I'll drop the hammer, but he's not here. 
but he is here. And so I think that's really important that we understand that. So even in a small church like this, we can foster relationships for our children to get close to. But as part of the parent's job of being consistent with that, like, okay, say hi to this person, connect to this person. How's your day going? Small talk as, as, as we get to know the children better. Um, that is that thought. I just wanted to share that for the parents and those of you who are not parents, I still think it's important that you know this. Okay, Matthew 18, verses 1 through verse 3. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus is saying here to welcome children is to welcome him. That's, that's like powerful. Like he's like, if you welcome this child, you are welcoming me. We looked last week at uh, Matthew 25. He's like, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. He said, my presence is with you. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about proclaiming the gospel. And Jesus is like, surely I am with you always. Like the very presence of Jesus is made available when we welcome children. I love what David Finch says here. He says, the sacrament of being with children is a social sacrament that brings together the community in its witness with the child. This is what we have lost in Christendom. This is what we must recover for the mission of God in the world. The social component of welcoming a child is so important. In order for us to be the sort of people who can welcome children, we're going to have to reconstruct how we do a lot of our fellowship, a lot of how we do things. I came up in our fellowship where if you were trying to have a Bible talk or whatever, you needed to find someone to watch the kids. Like, watch the kids. They can't be here. We need to figure out a way how we can integrate them more. And I actually think that's a huge testimony. I really want to lift up a lot of the mothers in here. Like... All these mom groups like Julian walks, the moms just connect. No one wants to talk to a dad with a baby. I was like, they just say hi to me. They don't like really want to be my friend. But <laughs> I know, man. It's so discouraging. I show up to these places. Even the moms are nice, but you know, I don't want to get the mom's numbers because, you know, it's kind of shady. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I just feel shady. But the moms are nice. When I'm out there with Steven, the moms are usually like, oh, how old is he? Blah, 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 blah. But when I go and I happen to find the unicorn of dad fathers out there, and they're, you're like, oh, the men are here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, be nice. So how's your day going? Yeah, no, nah, it's cool, man. How old is your kid? Two. What was their weight when they were born? I feel like, you know, we're, we're <laughs> eight ounces. It's tough out here. It's, it's really tough. But I see my wife in action, and they're laughing. They're talking about birthing classes and all this other stuff. And I'm like, we, I don't know how to get in there with the men like that. Maybe we don't talk about birthing classes. Maybe, maybe they weren't there. They were there. Who knows? It really isn't, you know, honestly. <laughs> but I didn't know that until now. Now I know that. That's just not a guy thing, man. It's just not. It's not. But we can still try, but it definitely works better with the women. I want to lift up all the women in here who welcome the children of other people. 
and you're giving people community. Like Jules made a friend up the street. I know many of you have made friends that you like. There, there's a lot of lonely people when they have children. You would think like, oh, I'm married. I have a kid. I'm, I'm filled with love. It could be very lonely. And part of welcoming that child in so many ways welcomes the parents, in so many ways welcomes them to Jesus. Because people are always trying to figure out, why are you being so nice to me? Especially once they find out that you're connected to a church and you actually have friends. That you're not like, I'm over here equally as lonely. Now, some of you are equally as lonely. So you're like, I'm starting that thing because I'm by myself. But in theory, we have a larger community, but they still get to see we get to be a blessing and love, love up on them. And these things take time. So what are some opportunities we have as a fellowship as we think about community group as well? We need to strive really hard to be a blessing to households with one disciple parent and single households. It can be very challenging, you know, like, man, I know just Jules hasn't been in service. She's going to come back the 21st, but she hasn't been in service for some time. And just me having the one kid, I can feel like, oh, this is so hard. No one understands. No one cares. I'm walking in. This is tough. You know, look, everyone get the fellowship. I got to take him home so he can nap. And this woe is me kind of situation. There's a lot of parents who um, their spouses are not followers of Jesus. And that's what they experience every Sunday. It's like, it's tough. And I want to lift up everyone in here because even though I still have the woes me attitude, that's not actually the reality. So many of you guys are, oh, I can watch Steven. Oh, you want me to hold Steven? Yeah, I can. But in my head moment, I have to hold him for more than five minutes when I really want a fellowship. Oh, no one cares about me, you see? Like, this whole church hates me. No one wants, everyone just, uh, I, I can have a pity party. So totally not reality, but that's what I can feel. But we want to be a blessing. There is a significant single population here in Portland, single parent population. And... You know, that's one of the demographics that needs to be able to feel like, man, even if we can help them give them a night off, you're never off as a parent, but you know what I mean? A night off where you can just sit back and, man, I just got to sleep for 30 minutes, man. Like you came over and you loved up on me and let me sleep. You, people pay money to sleep, man. Well, if you're on two hours of sleep per night, you'll pay whatever. Someone say like $30, you'll be like, take a million, man. Let me go to bed. And so it's really important. This is an opportunity that we could do that. We could think of creative ways to do that. But I really just want to put that on our hearts. Um, many of you, if you see a woman pregnant and she lives in your community, it, it's a really amazing way just to make a friend to help them through that time, especially if their family's not in town. It could be a very lonely experience. And um, I've seen many... Uh, women even here in Portland, like just at the park crying. And, you know, again, you know, like, look at me. Do, do you look like you want to cry to me? You don't. You don't. I, I, and I don't take offense to that. I'm not, I don't have the face that you look like. You know, I think I'm going to cry to Steve right now. You see me coming and you want to get it all together because you just feel like this isn't going to, it's going to be awkward. But some of you have the face that I feel comfortable crying with. And if you're at that park you could walk up to the person like, what is going on? How's it going? Like, oh, connect at a heart level. I walk up to them, hey, what, what, no, I don't have it. And you're like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like that hey was too high. You should have been like, hi, hello. <laughs> I see you're crying. I don't know how to do that, man. You know, I just like, it's just awkward. Um, 
but it, it, it's also very true that I've seen parents on the playground crying. It's just tough. Mm-hmm. Kids running around, they're like, come back, come back, come back. You're like, you want me to go get them for you? Yes. And then I go get the kid. The kid screams, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm a black dude over here. We got this little kid screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I do not want to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, your mother is calling you. Your mother. I, I yelled at, this actually happened at um, Payson Smith Park. And so I'm like, your mother is calling you. I want everyone to know that I recognize your mother. So I didn't get in trouble. You know, I don't. Seriously, the wisdom of the Lord, man. I'm not trying to get on any any news channels or anything. Um, and then mentoring. I think a lot of you have skills. The schools, the public school systems are accepting adult mentors. If you know how to write, you know how to do math, they'll take you in 30 minutes. You can make, you can change a kid's life. They may become a disciple, they may not become a disciple, but you could totally be a blessing. And if you have free time to do that, you should do that. And so I want to integrate our children into our ministry, but I also want us, this is thinking half circle, like how do we use our children in these situations? Not use them in a bad sense, but in a good sense. Like how do we use the fact that we have children? And if you don't have children, you can still mentor. Like any of you want to take Stephen for a prayer walk? Take him. (laughs) Come to my house 7 a.m. I have him ready. He'll have his candy. And you go for a walk and pray. He won't listen. He's not there yet, but he will one day. Um, all joking aside, I am open to some of you guys if you want to go for a prayer walk with him. And Rocky. <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> Take Stephen and Rocky for a prayer walk. <laughs> it wasn't Fred offering that. <laughs> he did it with Stephen already. <laughs> Fred just take all the little kids under three. He goes for that hour prayer walk. All the parents are like fired up and the kids are fired up. <laughs> They're like, amen, man. And then we come and get them from Fred an hour later. That would be awesome. No pressure, bro. <laughs> all right. Any questions about what we've talked about? This is we're kind of wrapping up here. Any questions about what we talked about or any thoughts? Anything that needs greater clarity? As always, anything we want to push back on, that's totally fine, too. Ellen? I think that, you know, sometimes I get stopped before I do something because I don't know exactly what to do or what to say, and I think that I have to have the perfect thing. But often I learn that just being with someone, not even necessarily saying Very true. Very true. Scott, oh. Yeah, I, um, well, what just comes to my heart was that I think even looking at whatever the talents that we individually have, the interests, and skills, whatever, and how we can use that to serve even, you know, our own kids here, and that how, like, for example, uh, you have a background you, you, you into soccer, whatever. So maybe you, you know, get some kids together and you do some soccer drills in the park. Nice. You know, and it's not, you know, I think we keep, it's easy for me to think about like, okay, what kind of program can we have, like invent type of thing? But usually those things aren't 
actually come about that way. It's usually like, how can I serve this kid? And then how can I invite some friends over and let's have fun together? And then all of a sudden you've got 10 kids and 10 families at the park. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, kicking the ball around and you're having conversations with parents and making friends. And, yeah. You know, and this is just a really organic thing. And all of a sudden with someone that, hey, I used to play soccer. I like to play soccer. Let's get mm. Very true, very true. Fred? I'd like, I would like to see us make more of an effort to train the kids to sit quietly in church with us. And I, uh, and I mean, and I know everybody is different, but I've seen it done. I've seen fellowships where the children come and they know for that hour they're just going to sit there and be quiet, even if they're not interested out of respect, they're taught to do that. And I don't think we have to do that all the time. But I, I like, I mean, there are occasions where we do want the entire fellowship to be together. And um, I, I believe it's possible. I've seen it done. And I know I grew up, growing up in the Church of Christ, at two years, at, at, you could stay in the nursery until you were two. And after that, we're basically expected to sit with your parents and be quiet. And Come on. For the one out of 168 hours a week, I believe it's possible. And I'd, I'd like to see us to make an effort to be able to do that for the occasions when it's necessary, when we want the whole church to be together uh, for some reason, for fellowship, for prayer, for assembly, the solemn assembly before the Lord. Be able to have our kids with us mm -hmm. Come on. Pray. Pray for that. <clears throat> uh, anyone else? Anyone else? That's a good thought. Yeah. I, I guess I feel like I want to respond to that. Not in a negative way. I think it starts at home. You know, I think it starts it starts at us in our our marriage. <laughs> um, it's so funny like these scriptures about like uh, just Matthew 18 uh, assure you in Psalm City unless you repent and become like children uh, as an Enneagram 7 man that's a theme scripture for me uh, I'm just super crazy kid like but like not only does it happen at home and it can happen at church but there's ways that we can become like children and services and things when we're together as a body don't have to be so regiment and rigid and things like that. They can be more, I don't know, I, we don't expect our kids to be in kindergarten and sit quietly for an hour. There's ways that we can engage them more in a friendly, fun environment. I hate saying that, but there's ways that we can do that on the Sunday service that's like engaging not only for the kids, but maybe bring us down a day to be yeah. more like children. Yeah. Be more humble, be more trusting, forgiving, and silly. So, and that's where using our skills, our gifts, I'm an idiot, so I love doing that. <laughs> but there's ways that we can kind of work together to not only bring them to us, but also meet them where they are. 
And I think that's really important. That's why we need a collaborative effort, right? Like sometimes you could get in the room and it's only the parents and everyone's brain power is already done by 8 a.m. You're like, I can't think of anything new. But people who have fired up brain power at 8 p.m., we need to hear these ideas. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, I'm drained mentally from anything. I just don't, I just want to eat and shower. Um, but that's a good thought. You know, and that's what I love about the church. Honestly, it takes the whole church to kind of work it out. Maybe we do have a fun day on Sunday where we get silly. Do you guys remember that dance? Get silly. <laughs> that's a little throwback for you guys, man. I think that song, that, that dance came out of 2008. We should, just, we should have a dance where we, we got to invite the teens from other regions and Anthony, and we all do the dances from the early 2000s. And they're like, is that what you guys are doing? And <laughs> and then we'll do the 90s, then we'll do the 80s, then we'll do the 70s. Everyone will get their era of dance, and we'll be like, that was the dance? And you're like, yeah. The newer dances are difficult. Um, I was just going to share, like, as a community level, I think um, the narrow window between when work gets out and their bedtime and the what our group is five kids, blah, blah, blah. It can feel like such a challenge. And what do you do with them when you want to have a deep conversation with the grown-ups, but they're, you know, they might hurt each other, most likely, in our group. And how, and so um, it's felt like a, it's felt hard, but I've been really grateful for our group, I would just say. Um, super grateful for people being down for that and, like, all right, it is loud, it's not, you know, the seance, like, calm environment, but people are willing to make it work, and I've just seen some really awesome moments come out of that, and whether it's, like, people play, you know, everyone is involved with the kids, playing with them, Heather's playing Pokemon with the Izzy, and there's all that dynamic happening, but even, like, last time, Ken, we were, we were having a, we were talking about conflict resolution, um, following up with the midweek. And Sophia and Izzy were sitting at the table with us. It was all the grown-ups and then those two. And uh, and they like totally got into it because <laughs> Izzy was like, oh, I'm gonna have a conflict with my sister soon at bedtime. Come on. We always have a conflict. She's anticipating the conflict. <laughs> and it was, it was so amazing. Like we were like, oh yeah, we're all dying. But oh yeah, yeah, is that a conflict time for you? Okay. And it just was, I was like, this is worth it. You know, I felt really like this is so much of the time it feels like a burden or a frustration. And, but then seeing those moments where you're like, this is why we are trying to make this happen. And I think it's so valuable for, and Kara was so encouraged. She was like, my girls are getting to see real life Kate, you know, and real life disciples in, yeah, in, in flesh. And so anyways, I just wanted to like lift up my, group um, but also yeah, express like it it is hard it's not it would be so much easier without kids right um, but it's been cool to see the, the benefit and the blessing of trying to make it work yeah and I think that's really cool because before I became a parent I never was annoyed by anyone's kids never even remotely was annoyed by anyone's kids because it wasn't my kid so your kid could have been wilding on the floor, and I just would have been like, yeah, so you're going to watch the game later, though, maybe? And, but as a parent now, there's a deep insecurity there. 
where I'm like, Stephen's crying. No one can worship God. Everyone hates me. I need to get this kid out of here. And a lot of you guys do a great job of reassuring me that that's not the case. Even though internally, I feel it a lot like, oh, man, my kid's difficult. You know, Stephen's at a pushing phase right now. You know, he used to be so sweet and now he pushes. And it's what he's pushing. I'm like, oh, man, the gallons are going to hate me. Steven just, like, pushed Lena, like, a thousand times. But Lena's tough, so she puts him back. <laughs> and so they're having their conflicts. But, it's, you know, and then you just feel like, oh, no, wait. I hope they don't think I'm trying to yell at their kid. You know, but just the grace here. I'm really grateful that we're, re- we're doing it as a community. And if I really want to, I think I, I can speak for a lot of parents. We want to thank you guys for being patient with us yeah. as we figure this out. You know, I'm scared to, like, raise my voice at Steven so none of you guys think I'm abusive. <laughs> so he could be running, please don't jump. If we're at home, don't jump! <laughs> but I don't want you guys to think I'm abusing him. So I'm like, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. He jumped, oh, gosh. Because <laughs> I'm scared. But I, I, I need to own, and I really want to encourage all the parents that we really are family. So even if I am a little too aggressive, I welcome that accountability. Just come and say, hey, dude, yeah, that was a little aggressive. You're like, I know, but you saw he almost died? And, you're like, <laughs> and we're like, he wasn't going to die, bro. You're like, okay, in my heart, he felt like he was going to die. So I, I love this church. I really do. And I do feel like we're blessed in particular in this church that our children have this community. And I really want them to grow up and love the church the way I pray, hopefully, all of us love God's people. Um, Rinaldi, with that statement also, you could end us in a word of prayer.